How's your teaching calling going? Have you ever asked a question during the second hour and suddenly everyone is looking at the carpet in silence? There are proven methods to stimulate class discussion that work like a charm. David Farmsworth does a masterful job presenting on this very subject in the Teaching Saints virtual library. What questions get people talking? How can you effectively listen to the answer they're saying without being distracted of where you want to take the class next? These are crucial principles to consider, especially in this time of Come Follow Me Sunday School. You can watch David Farnsworth's presentation by visiting leadingsaints.org slash 14. There, you can gain free access for 14 days to the Teaching Saints Virtual Library, where you'll find hours and hours of content to help you be a better prepared Sunday teacher. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Frankum with the Leading Saints Podcast, and this is going to be a little bit of a different episode this week, talking about a topic that doesn't get addressed very much, and that's one thing we do at Leading Saints. We want to bring those topics that need more dialogue around and uh, talk about and see if we can reach individuals who are maybe suffering in silence or they think they're the only one and hopefully bring comfort knowing that there are many people Uh, struggling with the dynamics related to church leadership. Now, this topic and this subject that we'll be discussing, I'll do a little bit of a a monologue here for a few minutes, and then I interviewed three additional people to tell their story. But it all starts with an email. Now, if you're not subscribed to the Leading Saints newsletter, you should do that by going to leadingsaints.org slash subscribe, and you'll get a weekly email where I share various thoughts. We share content that's uh, being published on Leading Saints. And every week, I include in that a a question, a question of the week, I call it. And a few months ago, I posed this question to the, the newsletter audience. The question was, after being released from a busy church leadership calling, did you feel any periods of loneliness, disconnect, or discouragement now that you were not in a leadership role? And we got a handful of emails back from individuals willing to sort of uh, open up and say, yeah, I did. And some said, I still do. And I reached out to some of them to record their stories. And you'll hear that later. This may be a two-part episode just because we have so much to share. But I mean, the, the concept of lay leadership is a remarkable thing in the restored gospel. It is a miracle that it actually works, that lay leaders haven't destroyed the church. and. I'm obviously joking there, but it's just, it can be crazy sometimes, right? I mean, just the fact in my story, at the age of 28 years old with nothing more than a marketing degree, some stake president felt inspired to call me as bishop and to put that ward on my shoulders and to run it. And I think it worked out okay, but I'm sure many people have stories of just the fact that (laughs) wards and quorums and release studies continue on even with inexperienced leaders. There's a lot of pluses and minuses to lay leaders that we won't go over all those in in this episode, but it's a remarkable thing. And I love that part of the restored gospel that we are led by a lay leadership, right? Also, a few months ago, I put out an episode all about aspiring. We will link to that in the show notes. We have an aspiring resistant culture in our church that we don't, I mean, we'll happily serve if we're asked to, but we don't want any feeling that we have campaign for a certain calling, desired a certain calling. And I go into all those things in that that episode. I encourage you to listen to it. That, that's one that was very popular. And I think a 
concept that many individuals should consider because it's part of our culture. We need to shift. We need to change. But I want to focus on usually aspiring. When we're talking about aspiring, we're talking at the beginning of a leadership role. I want to talk about the end of a leadership role, transitioning out of a leadership role in an effective way. Oftentimes, there's all sorts of feelings that come with a release from a calling, whether it's being a bishop, a Relief Society president, a stake president, a mission president. And a lot of times our culture wants to sort of have you just move on, right? Like, hey, thanks for serving. Wonderful. You should just go serve in the primary and be happy with it or be with the young men, young women, and just be happy with it, right? And there's little opportunity and really no tradition around this transition or finding closure from a calling, especially one that took a lot of your time, took a lot of your identity. And just like many of you remember coming off a mission, you almost have a hard time remembering what it was like not being a missionary because you've been that missionary for so long. But that was only 18 months or two years. What about a five-year calling, a nine-year calling? You leave those callings and you really have no grasp on your identity as a run-of-the-mill, sitting-in-the-pews, Latter-day Saint. And it can lead to somewhat of an identity crisis. So the reality is when that day comes and some leaders get somewhat of a heads up more than others, you know, mission president generally knows when a three-year assignment's going to end. A stake president generally knows when a nine-year assignment's going to end. I've heard stories of a bishop, you know, the stake president knocking on the, the door of a bishop on a Saturday night, releasing them. And by the next morning, they're putting in a new bishop. And that leader hasn't even had time to grapple with what's happening. And my encouragement generally out there, if any leader is in charge of of transitioning leaders and swapping leaders out to give that leader time to grapple with what that means for their life, especially these longer, heavier callings, because this is an identity shift and it can't just, it's not, I don't think it's healthy for it to sneak up on people. But that day of release comes and it's a, as a cliche says, it's a, a bunch of mixed feelings, right? It's an emotional roller coaster. You may feel a sense of relief that that heavy role is passed on to somebody else. There may be a ton of emotions in that. And we've all seen that outgoing bishop or Relief Society president sort of weeping as they're transitioning out of that calling. There can even be some level of ambivalence to that change, you know, like for me, and I'll get into my story in a minute, but I love being bishop. Like it is so remarkable to stand on the sidelines of the atonement of Jesus Christ and see people's lives change. And then it's just gone. So day one may be that emotional roller coaster. But nobody really talks about day 14, day 30, day 365. It can be much different. You can feel a lot more sense of being lost when you show up to church the next week, right? Even the weeks to come, there can be a sense of feeling forgotten. You know, everybody was calling you. Everyone needed a few minutes of your time and then it's just gone. And it can be interpreted that nobody really cares about you or your existence anymore. It's tough. So let me share my story. And we're going to do that in this episode. I've got three other stories that I interviewed individuals and they're going to share their story, but I want to include my story and I'll go first. And I encourage you to listen to their stories and consider their path and of transitioning out of the leadership role. As many of you know, I've told my story about leading saints a lot. If you want the full story of leading saints, you can go back to at the end of each year, I publish a, uh, an episode. The most recent one was leading saints in 2023 at the end of December. And that can goes into a little more detail about my story. But the reality is, is I came home from my mission. I went to a YSA ward where I met my wife. I was called as the Elders Quorum president, served in that role for about 
nine months or so. And I really enjoyed that. But, you know, I found the girl of my dreams. I wanted to marry her and we got married. And obviously, I could not continue in that role as Ellers Corn president. So we moved on. We moved in a, a basement apartment for about a year. Then we bought a condo. And it's uh, in that condo where my extensive journey of leadership began. I was called into the bishopric for a few years. And I remember that was really tough now that I think about it. That bishop got released. Nobody gave me a heads up. I was called into the state president's office. I was actually the second counselor in the state presidency the Sunday morning of the transition. I didn't know this calling was going to be uh, that we were going to be released. I was actually released and extended the call as high priest group leader. A few weeks later, I was uh, set apart, I was a high priest group leader for a couple of years, and then that bishop was put in the state presidency. And so I was then called as the bishop of that ward. And I love being bishop. Like I said, if I lived in a different life and a different religion or denomination, I could probably be a pastor of a church for 40, 50 years and just love every minute of it. And these callings can be really rewarding because to be involved, it feels good to be involved, especially in an organization I care for so deeply. This is the restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the kingdom of God on the earth. Like To be involved in that effort in such a role is rewarding. Yes, it's busy. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, there were nights of, of losing sleep. But to be involved is incredibly rewarding. Being in the room, right? Being in the room where, where decisions are made and my voice is heard in a lot of those decisions. I get to share my perspective, my thoughts and feelings. And a lot of times I can see how it influences, especially sitting in the bishop's seat. Maybe I almost shared that perspective too much and it influenced uh, negatively those other opinions in the room. But nonetheless, I was in the room. If I saw a problem in the ward, I could get it addressed. And that role as bishop lasted for about four and a half, almost five years. And uh, I remember my stake president showed up. He was only five years or so into his, his uh, time as the stake president. And he was transitioning out of his role. And he came to tell me that. And I was shocked to hear that he was going to be released. I was actually headed out of town during that state conference on a work assignment. So I did all my interviews with the with Elder Rasband as a bishop. You know, they interview all the bishops. And so I did all that via Zoom and had a good conversation. And they called me the next day and extended the calling to serve in the, the state presidency as the first counselor. And this is an important thing to recognize is that a lot of times transitioning out of a heavy leadership role into another heavy leadership role or a leadership role to a leadership role, that transition isn't as heavy. At least it wasn't for me. I'm, I'm sure there's stories out there where that can be more of a difficult transition. But I was just excited. You know, I'd spent a good number of years serving as a bishop. I was excited for this new opportunity of serving in a stake presidency and being involved there. I was in the room again. I'm making decisions. I'm I'm mentoring other bishops in the stake, and it was extremely rewarding. I served in that role for about two years, and uh, we were living, we had been in this condo for just about 10 years, and we're bursting at the seams. We had two kids, two bedrooms, and it was time for us to move on. And finally, the, the real estate market came back, so we weren't underwater anymore, and so we were actually able to sell our place. And I remember realizing this after two years serving in the state presidency and walking in and, and talking with uh, my stake president and informing him that I would need to be released. And I remember just breaking down and just weeping because it was just, I, it was the end of something so rewarding. And I didn't know where that would take us. And I would just, I just loved the brotherhood I felt 
with those men. I loved being involved. I loved the mentorship I was able to offer, the experience and perspective I was able to offer. And I remember having this mental thought of, I can't believe how emotionally, how much emotion I'm feeling responding to this upcoming transition. And then we we moved and the state, we waited a few weeks until state conference and did the change then. And I remember the next Sunday we went to our new ward and I was just Brother Frankum again, right? In a new surrounding, a new setting. And I did have the opportunity to serve as the elders quorum president in that ward, but we bounced around for about three years. That's a whole nother story. But so we were in these different wards. And I remember about a year after being released, there was this moment where I turned to my wife and I just said, I don't think I have friends. And it's not like I was like in this state of depression or I needed friends. I mean, I did need friends, but it wasn't like impacting me. Like I could, I was fine. You know, I could handle my life, I had a busy family life and all those things. But this, that realization really hit me hard. Like, whoa, I don't think I have friends. And then it sort of occurred to me that my, the last decade or so had been filled with presidency meetings, bishopric meetings. I was in, involved. It was almost a, a side hobby that I had of being a leader in the church. And that was all gone. And I do remember transitioning out of the stake presidency and it just felt like, oh, we're going to be like friends forever. And of course, we're friends. We stay in touch here and there. But the week to week, like Sunday to Sunday, like being on that team, that brotherhood of, you know, looking at daunting problems or serving people and ministering to others, like just to be in it, do the ward visits, the family visits, the, you know, that was, it was so rewarding to be in it. And you just feels like, even though I'm being released, guys, like I'm just a text away. I'm a phone call away. Of course, we'll stay in touch. But now like whole years can go by and I may not hear from anybody specific. That stake president I served with was recently released and it was fun to call him and have a moment of reflection on that as he was transitioning out of, of his role. But I think it needs to be highlighted that there is a transition period necessary and it's going to be different for so many people. But I don't think it's fair to just gloss over these transition and just expect people to move on without reflecting, even maybe mourning or feeling all the feelings that come with the transition, because this is a dramatic shift for a lot of people. And today, what's it been? It's 2013. I was released in, I was released in 2018, I want to say. Even today, five years later, it still hurts. Because here's the thing. I loved being involved. I just went through that, how it would bless my life so much. But it's so hard to sit on this in the stands now. I mean, to use a sports analogy, you look at the remarkable career of Tom Brady, who recently retired, the remarkable career of LeBron James, who's now, you know, he's talking about retirement. I'm sure he'll play a few more years. But for somebody to go to Tom Brady and be like, Tom, don't worry about it. Like, retire and just you can go to football games. You can be a commentator. I'm sure they would respond that. There's something about being on the field, getting behind the center and driving your team down the field to score that needed touchdown. I mean, that is what leadership is to me. It is so difficult to be out of the game. And it's nobody's fault. It's not like I, I deserve a leadership role and I'm happy to serve wherever, but I, we can't skip over the feeling of, yeah, it hurts, good or bad, righteous feeling or, or, unrighteous feeling, it still hurts. And I want leaders, especially former leaders, transitioning leaders to just sit in that and feel that feeling. Even today, like when I sit in the congregation, even hearing a new high councilman called to a role, it hurts. And the adversary wants me to believe like, oh, Kurt, you don't have what it takes. Like they don't want you. You have nothing to offer. 
And it's a real personal struggle for me. A few months ago, we had a ward split and a new bishop was called, a new bishopric. And I'd be lying to say that I didn't want, I didn't want to be bishop again. I'd be lying if I didn't want back in the game. Of course, I want him back in the game. And at the same time, I love when I see new leaders invited into that role of leadership, especially those leaders who maybe seem a little bit too inexperienced, a little too young because I was that leader. And the fact that somebody gave a 28-year-old, Kurt Frankham, the chance to lead at such a young age has blessed my life immensely. And so I, on one hand, I, I love that. I love seeing new leaders step into that role. On the other hand, I want back on the field. And I'll, I'll be completely honest, like that new bishop was called a few uh, weeks later, you know, they, they were essentially leading a new ward. So there was no individuals in, in callings. They had to call a new ward council. And I was sort of hoping, am I going to be chosen on the team? Like I felt like I was that kid in, in grade school up against the wall being chosen to play, you know, soccer. Would somebody pick me for to be the team? And I remember that week I showed up and the entire ward council was called. And I wasn't one of the names, even one of the counselors. And uh, it was really difficult for me. And I, I mean, to the point where I had to reach out for some help and reach out to some close friends and just like talk it through. And I knew on the surface, this is silly, Kurt. Like, come on, you only got to be involved, but it hurt. I don't want to be completely clear. I love our leadership, our ward council. They're wonderful people and they, they deserve and are, will be blessed to experience those leadership roles, but it hurt. So that's generally my story. I love church leadership. I'm the podcast boy who does the, the leadership podcast, right? And I have sort of come to terms to some extent, even though it still hurts. I've sort of got this public persona in the leadership world you know, church leadership role. There's a lot of leaders who know who I am. And I would guess if a new stake president was needed, I probably may not be on that list just because of that public persona, right? And I'm okay with that for the most part, because I know this is where God's called me, where he can use me the most, at least at this season of my life. But I've come to terms with the fact that I may never serve in a leadership role for the rest of my life. And that kind of Depends on the week, and that kind of feels like I've been put out the pasture some weeks. Other weeks, I'm just happy to be involved with leading saints. I mean, what a remarkable job. What a remarkable career. I pinch myself every day that I get to create this type of content, that I have this microphone. So for this episode, I just want to put a call out to those who really have struggled with that transition or who are about to go through that transition. It hurts sometimes. You don't want to go through that sometimes. You want to re-up for another three, five, nine years because it has been such a blessing in your life. And it's okay to be sad about it. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to hurt. And uh, the few takeaways I want you to keep in mind, closure is crucial. You need some type of moment of reflection. And I don't mean just the five-minute testimony and sacrament meeting. I mean gathering people and witnessing together of the miracle that took place as you had opportunity to possibly serve with keys, to serve in a role where you were in the details of, of people's lives that you care deeply about. Closure is crucial when it comes to these types of things. If you had a close loved one pass away, would you feel bad for holding a funeral? Obviously, the funeral is not for the dead. It's for the living. People need to come together 
and witness what happened, what took place, where God was in it. And so whether that looks like a party, a gathering, writing letters, journaling, whatever, like you need to process that. It may even include some therapy and that's okay. I would also encourage you to reach out. Do not suffer in silence. If it is really difficult for you to show up to church in those following weeks, you need to reach out to people. You need to talk with them, close friends, maybe the current bishop, maybe a former bishop, the one you replaced, maybe the uh, uh, former Relief Society president, whatever it is to just say, like, I'm really having a hard time with this. Can we just talk about it for a minute? And they don't need to give advice. I mean, if they have some to take it, but you just need people to sit with and feel the feelings. Do not try and numb the feelings with, well, I'm going to get busy here. Or maybe we'll just uh, go on a, a vacation for a few weeks or we'll move. You know, that's very common. I think more common than not are you see a lot of like former bishops, former relief site presidents, former stake presidents move from their ward because it's just easier that way. They can't handle the feelings of it. So this is a, an emotional experience that you have to go through and transition through. Do not just skip over it and pretend it didn't happen honor it, reflect on it, and reach out to people to invite them into that with you and talk about it. One thing that's really difficult to do is surrendering your impact, right? You may have worked years on putting together that dynamic ministering organization or the the missionary plan that just went gangbusters and so many people, you know, were unified and brought into the gospel or whatever it is, but the new guy or the new gal wants to go a different direction. And it's so hard to surrender that, but you have to. And in fact, I often give people the, the advice of articulating that to the new leader and giving them permission to change anything. Because that's really enabling for a leader. They don't want to dishonor you and your service. Give them permission by saying, you know what? If anything you want to change, I am completely okay with. In fact, overhaul. It's probably time for a good reset of looking at everything we did. And those things had a season and, and that's okay. I did an interview with Rob Eaton back in 2019 called Finding Purpose in Your Ward After a Heavy Leadership Calling. And uh, there's some great points in there. It might be worth listening to. We'll link to it in the show notes. But you need purpose in your life after this. Do not be idle in this. And, you know, again, that may take some time to reflect and determine what your next move is. And whether it is a, a another leadership calling coming your way, consider yourself lucky because that's an easy way to go and a fun way to go. But it could be being more involved in your community, more involved in your family, taking up a hobby, finding a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a group of friends to hang out with and do things with. You need that because a lot of these components that actually feed our soul are built into these callings. And we don't realize it until they're gone. Like that experience I had a year later realizing I don't have friends. Obviously, I had friends, but that was obvious. There was a hole left in my heart of the friendship and the brotherhood I felt being in these callings. And you former leaders out there, this is a real opportunity. Maybe you're five, 10 years after out of a certain role and you see a bishop get released. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to minister to that bishop because they're going through a transition that might be difficult for them to handle. So you, for you to reach out and connect and minister to them, let tell your story like I've told you my story. I tell them the good parts, the bad parts, things you loved. I, I just worry that we... Uh, Try and paint roses on everything. Like, oh, it's isn't it wonderful? You have all this time available. You can focus on your family. No, like it's not wonderful. I loved what we did. I love being involved. I loved having my voice be heard. Right. So, don't paint roses on it. Just like sit with them in the hurt and minister to them. It's a wonderful opportunity for former leaders to do that. 
Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this episode here. This is the end of part one. In part two, I'm going to share with you three interviews, short interviews I did with former leaders who tell their story. And maybe many of you will resonate with them. We have Sarah Newman, Darren Bush, and Julie Kaiser. And I hope you gain from their story. And before I end this episode, I want to read an email that I received from a former leader. And uh, this is what it says. Dear Kurt, I was completely blindsided when I was released as a bishop. I had no idea my release was coming, and I served shorter than most bishops. To this day, I wonder if I had done something wrong, and I definitely felt my service was incomplete, despite being informed my release was honorable and from the Lord. I felt I was serving with all my heart, might, mind, and strength, and then it was just over. Being released as I was has been an extreme trial for me. I obviously have a testimony, but in some ways, I feel less valiant than ever, as if the wind has been taken out of my sails. I do miss serving the ward. You have to move on. I have a new calling now, but I'm less engaged and trusted than I've ever been. In my worst moments, I wonder if it would have been better if I had not been called as bishop at all. I know that's incorrect thinking. The best thing I've done is made lists in my journal of people that I've helped. I write their initials and how I serve them, how the atonement of Jesus Christ helped them, and how they overcame their struggles. It has been cathartic and has helped me realize the value of my service. I basically don't talk about my pain, although my wife can tell I'm not the same. I'm striving to study, come follow me, and I'm in the Book of Mormon daily, but it's tough. I know my Savior can and is helping me, but after six months since my release, it's still been pretty fresh. On the bright side, I do feel like I've learned how not to be a bishop, but it's been a tough lesson to learn. And so, I carry on. May God bless those who struggle after being released as I have. I appreciate that email. And I echo that message for any leader out there going through transition, getting ready for a transition, still suffering from that transition from leadership. I want you to reach out to me. Maybe we can talk or I can connect you with other people or reach out to a friend. I just want you to know like you're still needed. You're still wanted. You have what it takes to serve. The Lord's knowledgeable of you. He knows you're hurt. You've got to feel these feelings in order to heal from these, those feelings, for Jesus himself to step into that brokenness and to heal you. I'm on my own journey, as I've explained, and I don't think I've have it figured out. And a lot of times on those rough days, it sort of comes and goes. I have to reach out to somebody. You know, one dynamic I didn't mention is I have two older brothers. All three of us served as bishop at the same time, and they've had the blessing of moving on to leadership roles. They're both stake presidents right now. And uh, showing up on Sunday dinner sometime and talking about their experience is hard because, because they're on the field. They're in the middle of it. And I remember those times and I don't get as many of those opportunities. And, and yes, uh, of course, I magnify where I serve. I serve with the, as a deacon's quorum advisor. Love those uh, two, three deacons that show up and I do my best to minister to them and magnify that calling. But I think it'd be a little immature to say it's all the same. Just depends on how you show up. It is different. And that's okay, but I continue to turn to God for my validation there. At least I try to. Some weeks are better than others. And I just encourage all leaders out there that uh, transitions can be tough, and that's okay. So listen to part two for some additional stories of difficult transitions out of a leadership calling. And never hesitate to reach out and contact me at leadingsaints.org contact.